This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 197 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Deep fakes continue to be a growing security concern as the technology to alter video footage and replace one person's face with another's has advanced in ease, sophistication, and availability. The use of deep fakes has become more broadly prevalent, extending beyond novelty use to become another tool in the adversary's playbook. Our guest today is Andrei Borisovich, co-founder and CEO of fraud intelligence firm Gemini Advisory. He shares his insights on the growing criminal market for deepfakes and how organizations can best prepare themselves to defend against them. Stay with us. I've started, you know, researching deep and dark web pretty much at its uh, inception. So I've been in this field for how many years? I, I think close to 15 years now. So I started as a translator and as a consultant to the FBI. Uh, and then I, you know, worked for the law enforcement as a consultant for a number of years. And then I moved into a private industry when, you know, first uh, threat intelligence companies were launched. You know, if, uh, at first I was working as a director of Eastern European research at a company called Flashpoint uh, in New York. Uh, I later moved to uh, and joined Recorded Future as the director of uh, uh, research as well. I stayed with Record the Future for, I think, three years, three and a half years before launching Gemini Advisory uh, in 2017. And, and so what is your day-to-day like these days? What are the things that uh, you all do there at Gemini? Well, uh, today is, uh, or at least lately, purely, you know, uh, as of late, I would say, uh, bureaucratic and boring <laughs> work of, you know, like <laughs> r- running a company, you know, like writing checks and <laughs> paying people. <laughs> the glamorous <laughs> side of the business. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, and I do actually miss, you know, doing research and actually talking to the bad guys because, you know, previously I used to do it pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, sadly, not anymore. But I do get, you know, to uh, engage, you know, with uh, with uh, with with frosters and the bad guys from time to time, especially when my teammates uh, found something of really, you know, uh, high interest or when, when my professional opinion is needed or when they, you know, could use my help. So uh, but I do obviously read a lot. And, you know, in um, every every bit of research that my team pushes, you know, still goes through me. So uh, I would say every day I, I probably read anywhere between five and seven different intelligence reports that uh, our, our team produces. Well, I, I wanted to dig in with you today on deep fakes and, and where we find ourselves when it comes to that. Can you give us a, a little bit of the background of, of um, sort of the origin of deep fakes and, and what that's led to, where, where we find ourselves today? Well, I, I, I think uh, we, we should probably just, you know, even start farther down the line. I mean, uh, the deep fake technology on itself, you know, on its own is a fairly new technology. It's based on the uh, 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 neural network um, technology where, you know, like um, uh, anybody can pretty much create a video of anyone, right? And they can pretty much take the video uh, of a known person and then the AI and the neural networks would pretty much, you know, construct uh, a fake video uh, that would almost be identical to the real person. 
And, uh, you know, on itself, uh, on its own, uh, it's nothing new. Uh, a lot has been pretty much, you know, pretty much discussed on, on the topic. But um, what's new is that the bad guys are finally, you know, starting to pay, to pay attention to the uh, deepfake technology. Uh, they're beginning to use it, although cautiously, slowly, but they're beginning to use it uh, to bypass uh, security controls at many firms, especially financial companies and cryptocurrency companies. Hmm. Well, uh, take us through what sort of things are you all seeing? Just kind of like to give you a little bit of a history, uh, the fake document uh, vendors, right? Uh, and and, and don't, I don't necessarily mean, you know, physical documents. I mean, copies of the documents that, you know, uh, you and I, pretty much anybody uh, listening probably had at some point uh, to provide, you know, provide it to their, you know, either banks or uh, other uh, online services. Well, vendors like that were pretty much a staple of the criminal underground from the day one when the first criminal forum was launched. Uh, the bad guys, uh, there were um, vendors who offered services where they would fake a document, right? Any pretty much type of document, not just necessarily a passport or a driver's license, but also a utility bill and so on and so forth. However, as companies turning to more sophisticated ways of detecting fraud and especially identity verification and know your customer uh, regulations, you know, that dictate that com companies must do everything they can to validate the identity of uh, a person they are working with so that the bad guys now finding themselves find themselves in a position where uh, an old fashioned way of fake and, and producing, you know, uh, a driver's license is no longer sufficient, right? The companies like Coinbase, for example, can detect fakes very easily. And, there's, and it's almost impossible for the bad guy nowadays to use all uh, outdated, you know, an old-fashioned technology to bypass the security controls. So, the, mm -hmm. so we, what we found uh, as of late is that a couple of uh, criminal actors popped up who are actually now offering commercial deepfakes, right, where they basically would, uh, they would actually produce on demand uh, a video ba based on your requirements, right? Like, so imagine if you are a bad guy and you're trying to gain access to, um, a coin, and I'm not saying Coinbase is the primary target here, but it's just, you know, one of the largest cryptocurrency exchangers in the U.S., and therefore they have been targeted pretty heavily by the bad guys, right? But they're not alone. Uh, so, you know, uh, we know that bad guys are attempting to take over Coinbase accounts all the time, right? Because once you steal someone's Bitcoins, you know, once you transfer it to, uh, to, to a wallet that you control, there is no recourse, right? Like you cannot cancel the transfer and, you know, unlike a bank transfer, right? So, um, online cryptocurrency exchangers are prime targets. And what we're finding is that, let's say the bad guys are trying to take over someone's account, right? And the Coinbase will typically, you know, if they suspect anything, right? Like if they, if they, if they see that, okay, maybe uh, a user is trying to log in from a different IP address, right? Maybe mm. they they are using a different device which haven't been registered before. They will, you know, occasionally ask you to provide uh, identification, right? Like so, and one of the forms of the identification would be a video of yourself. Uh, where they actually instruct you to, let's say, look straight at the camera, look left to the camera, look right to the camera, right? Uh, sometimes they would even say, okay, you need to 
uh, write something on a piece of paper and hold it, you know, in front of the camera so that we could basically validate that it's you, right? So what we think is that the bad guys will attempt to do or probably do it already, but in silence, you know, without actually revealing their methods, is that once they um, identify a high-value target and if they found that person's video on, let's say, one of the social media, uh, such as Facebook or Instagram, right, they could potentially uh, produce a deep fake video that will be identical to the, you know, to the real person, and they will be able to fool fraud controls and security controls of a company. And we found two, I think, even three different vendors who are now offering uh, deep fake videos to be made on demand. And the price is all over the place. You know, some some vendors uh, uh, ask only about twenty to thirty dollars per one minute of video. The others uh, would charge you, you know, roughly a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars per minute. And so we're not quite to the point where these things could be generated in real time, right? I mean, this is a thing where you would go to them, you'd know what was going to be asked of you, and and that video would be custom made. Exactly, exactly. So it's not a real-time validation where you could jump on a, let's say, a video camera, right, and in real time talk to a person on the other end, and they would see a completely different person. (laughs) Luckily, not yet, you know, we're not there yet. But, you know, the direction is definitely heading towards that. And, you know, this is something that's of, of you know, significant concern. And if you actually think about deepfakes uh, and deepfake technology, it actually goes to, you know, significant length, right? Like if the bad guys can use it to fool a bank, well, what stops a bad guy from producing, you know, uh, a video and then use it to blackmail someone, right, for example? Mm. Um, so, I mean, we haven't seen, you know, the weaponization of deepfakes on a massive level yet, but it, we're probably just one step away from the time when bad guys will start doing that. Yeah, you know, I, I think about when, when deepfakes first sort of hit the news that a lot of it had to do with... Um, you know, people taking uh, footage, videos, whatever, from adult websites and putting mm-hmm. either, you know, celebrities' faces on it or, or, you know, that sort of thing. It was mm-hmm. that sort of activity. And I could imagine, you know, you combine that capability with um, sort of the many of the phishing attempts that we see where people try to do this this sextortion where they, they yep. threaten someone and say, oh, I have video of you, you know, doing something you'd be embarrassed about. Well, if I can actually present a video that is a deep fake, I mean... Whether or not that video is real, I, I wouldn't want that shared with my friends and family. It's sort of a, I could imagine a, a new sort of um, type of ransomware, if you will. Indeed, yeah, indeed. It could actually become an next ransomware. Uh, or at least, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the ransomware gangs will start using deepfake technology to entice their victims into paying money, right? So it's just like, it, it just, it may become yet another method in blank in, in in kind of like a blackmailing arsenal of the bad guys and i suppose it's inevitable that we're going to reach a point where it's it's possible to do these things in real time or, or near real time right well it seems like the technology is definitely going that way and you know as i mentioned i i wouldn't be surprised to see a technology like that widely deployed in the next few years what, what do you suppose this means for uh, sort of a, a you know be a trust in the media in general? I mean, there's that you know that old saying that a picture's worth a thousand words, but um, 
I could see obviously the the political implications of something like this. Or they run deep. Indeed, and you know we we haven't seen you know adversaries actually using and leveraging deepfake technology for the political gains yet. There's been a lot of discussion about you know uh, capabilities of deepfakes, you know, uh, and people thought that uh, adversaries will start using it more proactively. Uh, we haven't seen that yet. It's hard to actually ascertain, you know, how damaging this technology could be. But uh, again, you know, leveraging my my experience, you know, researching bad guys, I can say that if it's actually working, it's just a matter of time before the bad guys start using it, right? Because if you think about the ransomware, uh, when and, and I'm just, you know, leveraging your example, uh, mm-hmm. the first ransomware appeared only about four or five years ago. No, actually 2013, that's what's kind of like the, uh, the first lockers, right? Like uh, when the, the Bitcoin wasn't, you know, popular at the time and payments were made in uh, gift cards, right? But nonetheless, mm. within three years, we saw the first evolution of uh, ransomware as a service, right? That was at the point when the first gang came on to dark web market and said, look, now you can pay, you know, you don't have to actually buy the software. You don't have to spend, you know, a thousand dollars on the software. We, we'll, we're going to give it to you for free, but then you're going to share the uh, profits with us. And the next step, we saw a massive level of infections of ordinary people. And then uh, as we saw that, we you know, within the security community, we were saying that this is just the beginning, right? We're going to see attacks on the companies because uh, the bad guys will learn fairly quickly that instead of uh, trying to collect $500 from a thousand, from 1,000 victims, right, they could just infect one company and collect half a million dollars. And, and, and within a year, we saw a massive level of attacks on businesses. And the next step was the extortion element, right? where the bad guys would not only infect the victims, but they would first uh, steal the information, right? And then they will attempt to extort the money by either attempting to release the data on the dark web or elsewhere, or going publicly, go, going public and, and, and basically telling public that they have the information from the company. And unless the company pays, they will release the information or incriminating data, whatever it may be. So I think it's just a matter of time before the bad guys will actually realize that there is definitely a way for them to make money using the fake technology. Uh, and I don't really don't necessarily mean hackers. I mean pretty much any type of adversary. It could be a nation state adversary, right? We could potentially envision, you know, North Koreans, you know, um, uh, publishing a video incriminating, you know, uh, U.S. government or maybe Iran or elsewhere. For the organizations that have found themselves having to deal with this, those financial organizations you described earlier, um, how are they reacting to this? What, what sort of uh, what sort of measures are available to them to you know to parry back against this sort of thing? They have deployed uh, certain software uh, that supposedly has a capability of detecting deep fakes. Although, based on our research, we found that uh, the best software. Uh, out there offers only about 60-65% detection ratio. So it's still, you know, a long way to go before they would be able to detect deepfakes with, you know, uh, close to 100% accuracy. So I, I, I think it's for a while it's going to be cat and mouth game. Uh, and honestly, uh, in my opinion, uh, let's say the 
voice uh, recognition, right, uh, has better protection than the deepfake protection because, uh, let, let's put it this way, if you combine voice detection with uh, video um, uh, uh, video detection, right, then I think you get kind of like the best of both worlds. So I think uh, a lot of companies will start leveraging more voice recognition in uh, user authentication. And I actually uh, had experienced it myself, you know, recently with one of my bank accounts, right, when I was calling the bank, and they haven't asked me anything, right? Like, they just asked me one or two questions, which, you know, had nothing to do with my PII information, no social security information was asked. Um, they didn't ask my date of birth, nothing like that. And yet they were able to detect, you know, with 100% accuracy that it was me calling and I was able to pretty much conduct the business with them. Hmm. Did, did they let you know that's what you were doing or, or did they raise your, your suspicion when you said, wait a minute, you, you haven't asked me anything. <laughs> How do you know it's me? <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually, I, I remember that, you know, several months back when I was talking to them, they asked me if I, if I would opt in to use my voice as as another method of uh, authentication. And I said yes, because I was really curious to see how it's going to work. And in my opinion, it, it actually worked quite well. So I, I would say once you combine, you know, both technologies, I think you, you have pretty robust and secure system. You know, it's interesting, uh, just to, to speak for myself, that sort of thing um, makes some of us who have hundreds, if not thousands of hours of of extremely high quality recordings of our voices, just a little bit nervous. Yes, that, that, that be, <laughs> that's a downside of being a public person. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, where do you suppose, I mean, this is going? It's, it's certainly, it seems like it's going to be cat and mouse for a little while here. Is this, I mean, are we going to have to inevitably find other methods of authentication? I think biometrics has a huge, huge uh you know, advancements, um, uh, well, made huge advancements, advancements, and I think that you know some form of a combination, you know, uh, of different technologies will 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 kind of like win the race. But all in all, I think biometrics, especially when you combine it with, let's say, smartphone technology, because I mean, right, right, I mean, we 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 keep phones with us all the time. Just mm-hmm. yesterday, I was at the grocery store and I realized that I left my wallet at home, but you know. Within second, you know, uh, I was at the register and and uh, I was able to pay with my phone using the Apple Pay. So we'll have, uh, you know, uh, uh, our phones with us all the time, so pretty much twenty four seven. At least I do, and uh, I, I think that the biometrics will will be kind of like the golden standard, and I think uh, that's where. We're going to end up basically. Uh, I think that voice recognition, once you have the biometrics and once you have the uh, video validation, I, th- I think all three technologies uh, will morph into some form of a uniform you know, uh, product or technology or capability that we'll be using in the future for, for the validation purposes. I know for sure that we'll not be using passwords. Our thanks to Andrei Borisovich from Gemini Advisory for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. 
The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thank you.